Uh, what a very long 10 years it has been, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening to the podcast right now, you already read the title. You already know what I'm about to talk about. I'm talking about the Lakers in the finals facing off against the Miami Heat. Thank you guys for tuning into CamCast. Uh, this is going to be another fun episode for us about the NBA playoffs. You know, specifically the NBA finals. We're here. It happened. You know, there were a lot of doubts early on in this bubble, even before the bubble was even constructed, that the finals would ever get finished, that we'd ever get to this point, that this bubble would work, that, you know, maybe a COVID inside the bubble would completely pop the bubble. It never happened. There were never any cases of COVID within the bubble. That's absolutely insane. I, I can't believe that Adam Silver and the NBA and Disney and everyone involved was able to accomplish that feat. That's 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 tough. You know, with everybody that was there in and out, all the players, all the staff, all the media members, and then eventually when they were able to bring families in in the second round, still nothing, you know, n- no COVID popped up. Nothing ruined this, this the finality to this 2020 season. I can't believe it. And as a Lakers fan, I am just overjoyed that we got here. We're here. We haven't been to the finals since 2010 when Kobe led us there when we faced the Boston Celtics. Last time that happened, I was 17 years old. It's been a while. The 2010s were were not even probably they were they were the worst decade in Lakers history uh, from a from a record standpoint from a success standpoint from everything that happened within that that decade you know the Chris Paul trade Kobe with his Achilles Dwight Howard not panning out Steve Nash not panning out basically giving away Pau Gasol for nothing Andrew Bynum giving him away for basically nothing it was just it's a long decade and you know I'm a spoiled Lakers fan I am I've been alive for five championships that we've had. And, you know, two of them were when I was in high school, three of them were when I was going through elementary school, but I remember them. So I'm just, you know, as an adult, it means so much more. And after this year that we've had, you know, this crappy 2020 that was, you know, that began with Kobe dying, this, this, this means a lot. Just getting here. It's a big deal. You know, I I don't think that people understand that this bubble and that way the season played out, it's, it's tough, you know? It's not, I expected us to get here, I really did. I didn't know, I wasn't sure when the bubble first began, but I expected us to get here because this team, that this Lakers team is, is phenomenal. They're fun to watch. They're, they're really, really, really well coached. And then LeBron is still LeBron. LeBron took over that game five against the Nuggets and completely in the fourth quarter and just basically put the entire Lakers staff, Lakers roster on, under his wing just was like, hey guys, I I fucking got this. You know, I, I'm still I'm still LeBron. Yeah, it's my 15th season, but I I still got this. You know, I'm or no, it's my thir- 17th season. He's 35, 17th season. But it's I don't know, man. It's I'm just overjoyed that this is happening, and we're facing a team that I completely respect. The Miami Heat have been an amazing team all season long. I think there was a point where they were number one in the Eastern Conference the first couple of months. It was like us and the Heat in terms of the fewest losses. And I think it was the Heat who had the most wins at home during the, uh, the regular season when the season wasn't in the bubble. I'm pretty sure on that stat, there was a time I think they were like 15 and two, and that home court advantage that they had was it was real. They were winning almost every single game at home until the Lakers went there and they they beat them. The Lakers won the season series two games to none, but it means nothing. Those games happened almost a year ago. We played the first game in November, and the second game we played in December. So that was in the calendar year of 2019. So those games were so long ago. That was before you know we figured out who Tyler Hero was as a player. 
That was before we figured out who Bam Adebayo was as a player. That was before Jimmy Butler really gained the trust and you know the wherewithal of, of everyone within this Heat roster to buy in. And that was before they, they had Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder. This is a completely different Heat team than they had before. They are a much better team. They're extremely well coached. You know, I, I'll be the first to say that Eric Spolstra is an amazing coach. I mean, look what he's done. That team is always competitive. And I think it's because of that mantra that Pat Riley puts into that Heat organization that you have to be, and I've, I've heard this many times from many different uh, writers that write about players that don't come to camp in shape. I believe uh, there was a story I heard last week where James Johnson, the former player for the Heat, who is actually a black belt in, uh, I believe, jiu-jitsu, uh, he showed up to training camp 10 pounds overweight, and Pat Riley sent him home. He said, if you're not about winning, we don't want you here. You need to be back. You come back here when you're in shape, and then you know you can you can work out with the team. That's that's a recurring thing that's happened a lot with Heat players. It happened with Dion Waiters quite a bit. Uh, I think it happened with uh, happened with Kelly Olynyk a few times too. Like the Heat are very much about fitness and getting right and team unity. It's it's a team with a whole bunch of people that led by obviously Pat Riley, a whole bunch of people that just that work really, really hard, and Eric Spolstra is the definition of that. I mean, this guy was the video room operator in terms of you know analyzing game film, and then he wound up becoming the Heat head coach in 2000 and I think the summer of 2010, whenever LeBron went to the Heat. And he's made a name for himself. You know, he, granted, he won those two championships with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James, and, you know, Ray Allen at some point. But he's turned into one of the best coaches in the league, and he's respected throughout the league now. That wasn't the case 10 years ago when he was first starting out because he wasn't well-known. He wasn't a former player in the NBA, had no coaching experience, just a video coordinator. But, I mean, look at him now, man. I mean, he's really got this Heat team buying into team basketball. They play 100% team basketball. They're, they're a great team to watch. They're one of my five favorite teams to watch in the NBA. It's them. It was uh, obviously the Lakers. I loved watching the Celtics this year. They were a lot of fun. I loved watching the Raptors play. And then I loved watching the, uh, uh, who was the fifth team? I think it was, uh, well, I, I think it was just anytime John Morant was on the court. John Morant was just like a blast to watch. But now I have a ton of respect for this Heat team. I have a ton of respect for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has basically been told over the last three teams that he's been on that he's been the problem. They traded him out of Chicago because he apparently was the problem. There was that when he was traded uh, to uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they had that infamous practice where he basically took all the third string guys, faced Carl Anthony Towns, faced Andrew Wiggins, and basically beat him. And that's you know well documented documented story. They traded him away from there. They said he was the problem. Traded him to the 76ers. He butted heads with Brett Brown instantly. And then they traded him, and then they didn't sign him back. They signed Tobias Harris instead. Look how that paid out for him. Didn't work at all. That's that's their fault. Jimmy Butler is an amazing player. I think he's finally starting to get the respect that he deserves. He's just a hardworking guy. I don't I don't think he has any malicious intent to anybody. I just think that he's a dude that doesn't take any bullshit, doesn't accept any bullshit, and won't give you back any bullshit. He will be one hundred with you. On everything, you know, if it from basketball to life, I really get that impression of him. He was on, I think, JJ Reddick's podcast during the beginning or middle of of, uh, of quarantine, I believe, in like May, and he was kind of illustrating some of the points when he was in the Sixers, how he butted heads with Brett Brown, and how he he wanted to go back to the 76ers, but they chose Tobias Harris instead of him. Tobias Harris, good player, not a leader. Jimmy Butler's been a great leader for this team, you know. 
Tyler Hero showed out in these playoffs. Duncan Robinson is might be the might be the most cash player in the NBA. Or at least top he's top ten. I'm not gonna be a prisoner of the moment. He's top ten. He just has a really pure jump shot. He reminds me of Clay Thompson a little bit with his quick release, but I'm not gonna get that crazy. But now nah, the kids I, I I like his story because he's from Maine of all places. He played division three basketball, then he somehow got a scholarship to Michigan, undrafted, and then now he's starting on a team that's in the NBA finals. That's a, that's amazing. You love stories like that. You know? It's there's the stories that just make you be like, you know what? If if I really put my my head into it, put my whole heart and soul into it, I can accomplish this because of people like what Duncan Robinson did. Also, the Tyler Hero story is kind of interesting too. If you don't know, he's from was he's from Wisconsin. He's from Milwaukee. Originally, when he was uh, going through his college recruiting, he was supposed to go to the University of Wisconsin. Uh, John Calipari of Kentucky started to recruit him, and he decommitted from Wisconsin and committed to Kentucky and was there for one year. He got so much hate in Wisconsin. Apparently, he got death threats. People were you know, calling him a sellout and all that. But he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and it shows. It really does. You know. And then I, if you listen to my NBA Awards podcast earlier on, I talked about how much I love Bam Adebayo's game. In my opinion, he was the third best defensive player of the year this year. Um, in my opinion, Anthony Davis being one, Giannis being two, I would have put Bam at three. Bam is an amazing player, and I can't believe that this kid is only, uh, I think he's 22 years old. He's only 22 years old. It's insane how much skill this guy has. He's got a solid mid-range jumper, but he plays really, really hard and aggressively for his size. I think he's 6'11". He's not quite 7 foot, but he's athletic. He jumps high. He's strong. Really, really strong. You know, I just, you know, it's going to be a fun series to watch these guys play up and down the court. These are, this is a fast team. They play a little bit of a zone sometimes, so it'll be interesting how the Lakers match up with that. Um, typically, not typically, but in the Nuggets series, the Nuggets went into a zone just a couple of times, and the Nuggets were so slow on their zone recovery that we had Kuzma and Caruso carving up that middle, just slashing, just slashing the open spots, and LeBron was feeding them the ball, and they were getting easy layups. So if that's the type of defense that Miami's going to play, which I know they're not, their, their defense is going to be a lot more stifling. Uh, we're going to have to make three-point shots. But I'm going to stop my praise of the Miami Heat. And, you know, sh- I'll, I'll give a brief shout-out to a uh, former ba- uh, high school teammate and somebody I played basketball with for since we were like eight years old, Tyler Shea. The only Heat fan that I knew from long before LeBron even got there. And I, I can I can back that up. So you're welcome, Tyler. There's your shout-out. That's your only one. <laughs> but, uh, nah, it's um, I'm not going to talk anything more positive about the Heat because this isn't a Heat podcast. This is a Lakers podcast, and I'll be damned if this isn't our year. This is our year. We were we were counted out at the very beginning when we signed everyone, when the Clippers signed Kawhi Leonard and they had Paul George. Everyone counted us out. Everyone was like, you know, I'm not sure what LeBron has left in the tank. He was injured last year. Are we sure that Anthony Davis can stay healthy? Do they have enough supporting cast? Is Frank Vogel a good coach? You know, on and on and on and on. Okay, haters. LeBron's still got tons in the tank. He's proving that he's still the best player in the NBA. Anthony Davis, aside from a couple games where he hobbled his ankle or he hurt his shoulder, he was healthy the whole time. I think the thing is, he was always healthy when he played in New Orleans, but when you play for a losing team on a team that you know isn't going anywhere, why would you risk your health and your NBA career to continue to play on that type of team? You're not gonna. It's a business decision. I back it up. If Kawhi can get away with it, why can't Anthony Davis? I just, you know. Then Frank Vogel. 
I've been praising Frank Vogel the last two, three podcasts. Frank Vogel has been an amazing coach. Absolutely astonishing. It was after game three when JaVale McGee, it was, it was a halftime of game three. JaVale McGee had been got eaten up in the first quarter against Jokic. Jokic was going off, right? And I was like, man, if they were smart, they would start Dwight Howard in that second half because Dwight matches up a little bit better with Jokic. He's quicker and he's a lot stronger and he's not going to let Jokic, you know, bully his way into the paint, which, you know, Jokic is amazing. Sure enough, Frank Vogel throws out Dwight Howard in that second half of the game three, win the game. He starts Dwight Howard in game four, we win the game. He starts Dwight Howard in uh, game five, we win the game. Unbelievable. He's not married to a particular idea, which a lot of coaches are in the NBA. He's married to K. What's the best way for me to make sure that my team has the best chance of winning? He's looking at film. He's looking at stats. He's looking at plus minuses. He's looking at the flow of the game. He's looking at the eye test. And by eye test, I mean he's really he's he's watching the game. He's seeing which players are out there that are affecting positive change on the results of the game and the flow of the game. And when Dwight Howard was calm and he had no antics those games four and five, Dwight was a monster. He had a, a double-double in the first half of game four. He was absolutely incredible. And the same can't be said for JaVale McGee when he played in game four and game five. He was just forgettable, not regrettable or uh, un- unbelievable. He was just completely forgettable. He just was... You could tell he just he was outmatched, and he is outmatched. He's in there to block shots, get random one-handed dunks because he can't dunk with two hands for some reason. But no, nah, I, I, it's, it was amazing watching Dwight play in that series. Um, I don't know. It's there's a lot of redemption with Dwight. I, I, I have a soft spot for his story because he basically took a a back seat here, realized that you know what, I'm not the player that I used to be. But if I do these things right for this team, we can win a championship. And I'm completely okay with that. And I don't know, his whole persona and everything about him has changed for for the positive. I'm not sure what he's been dealing with the last three, four years. But you can definitely tell he's in a more positive space in his life. And really, that's all you really want from anybody. And even people that you don't talk to all the time. You just want everybody to have a little bit more positivity in their life. And live their life with a little bit more joy and fun. And when he's on that bench and we're, we're, we're scoring on the court and he's not playing. But... He's so active on the bench, you know, cheering with all of his teammates, you know, getting really excited, making funny faces, doing funny shit. It's fun to watch. But man, this series will go one way. If Anthony Davis plays the way Anthony Davis is supposed to play, we're going to win. And we're going to win easy. In the two games that we beat the Heat this year, Davis was our leading scorer in both games. He had 26 points in the first game, 33 points in the second game. He creates a matchup problem against every team. He just does. I know that the Heat are going to be able to throw Bam at a bio on him, and that's going to you know make it a little bit tougher. But if we're playing Anthony Davis at the four, who's going to guard the five? You know who's going to guard Dwight Howard and and have to stay with him if he's going to be guarding Anthony Davis? It's just they're they're going to have to make some choices. In terms of who they're guarding, they might be playing Myers Leonard a little bit more just because he's tall. He's pretty strong. He's not really good at much of anything else, but he's a big body that you can throw out there. So I have a feeling that's going to happen. But man, Anthony Davis, he just looks like a man on a mission. When he's, I've, I, after watching him play, if he is engaged in the offense early on in the game, he'll be affecting more on defense. He's one of those guys where he actually feeds off of both. If he's scoring a lot, he's more active defensively. If he gets a couple really good blocks defensively, he's going to be looking more to attack on the offensive side. It's really rare. 
Sometimes you get guys who they play better defense as their offense goes, and that's actually really common. Um, I know, if, I know when I play, that's what I did. I normally, I my defense was predicated on if, on how well my offense was going. That's with pickup and everything. But and sometimes it's it's guys are the other way around. You know, their defense predicates their offense. Guys like Bruce Bowen, who's good to stop on on one end, shoot a three on the other. Shane Battier. You know, there's a list of guys where their defense gives them the energy, and it gives the team the energy. Gives you that positive momentum to be able to score on the other end on the offensive end. And he's one of those guys. But his skill set is just, it's, he does some moves during the game that, and they're they're all different. You know, they're all varied. LeBron has the same, like, three to four moves, and he's just like, okay, I'm going to use these. I perfected these. Good luck stopping these. Anthony Davis, I feel like his moves change game to game. He's able to do a, a turnaround mid-range, fadeaway shot, makes it. He does a jab step three, makes it. Does a hook, makes it. Drives to the basket. It's just, this guy's skill set is it's unmatched. I mean, it really is. It's he's got these point guard skills for a seven footer, and he's got the smooth handle, the smooth jump shot. I mean, he shoots our te- he shoots our technical fouls whenever we get him. That's how good of a shooter he is. The next part of his game is just going to be perfecting the three point shot and make it automatic. He'll have to probably tighten it up a little bit. But that's that's a subject for a different day. The one thing that I worry about in this series is we're going to need a third score. Um, looking at the stats here, the Heat have been doing it by commission in this playoffs. They have Goran Dragic averages 21. Butler averages 20. Bam averages 18.5. Tyler Hero, does average, Tyler Hero is averaging 16.5. Jay Crowder is averaging 12. Duncan Robinson is averaging 11. That That's even. That's six guys that are averaging 11 points or more on your team. That's that's great team basketball. I mean, it really is. Like, if I were a Heat fan, I'd be proud of that because those are those are solid numbers, all of which are really high percentage shots. They got four guys making two and a half threes per game, in uh, Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, Jay Crowder, and Duncan Robinson. Those guys are all making two and a half threes per game in the playoffs. Okay, that those are those are amazing numbers. And then you switch over to the Lakers. You got Anthony Davis averaging twenty eight point eight. LeBron's averaging 26, and then Kyle Kuzma's averaging 10. And then Cantavius Caldwell-Pope is averaging 9.9. So the scoring load is a lot different on the Lakers. We're really going to need somebody to consistently step up and to play really, really well offensively for us to make sh- to take the burden off LeBron and AD a little bit. So that way they're – I mean, it's, it's simple basketball, right? You have a guy, maybe a third or fourth guy on your team that is – Scoring a bunch. He's just all of a sudden this guy has like 15, 20 points. All of a sudden the defense has to suck out onto him. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> but that that leaves more availability for LeBron and AD. Maybe they're not going to have a double team that time because maybe Kyle Kuzma's hit three threes in a row and all of a sudden you have to respect his shoddy jump shot. You know, it's it's stuff like that. Maybe Danny Green decides to get his head out of his ass and make make at least two threes in a row. Maybe KCP's making three threes in a row like he has been. KCP's been, he's been very, very, very consistent. He has. He's been, I don't know, the last since since the end of the Trailblazer series, beginning of the Rocket series, he's been so consistent. Defensively, he's been great. He still worries me in the fast break because he's so quick and so fast. But everything else has just been amazing. Um, there's there's a storyline of this that I think is kind of interesting. You guys, you guys may or may not. Tyler Hero of the Heat currently dates Kyle Kuzma's ex-girlfriend. So there's some there's a little bit of something there. Um you know, if you're Kyle Kuzma, you want to make sure that you don't get shown up. So hopefully that'll wake him up a little bit and make him play a little bit harder just so he can kind of, you know, sun Tyler Hero a little bit. 
Because, yeah, Tyler Hero, he's, he's a great shooter. He's not afraid of anything. He's, he's literally the babyface assassin. I mean, he's calling himself a bucket. That's a little soon to be calling yourself a bucket. I mean, you've played one season. Um, granted, you're a great shooter, and I love the confidence, but you're, you're not quite a bucket yet. You'll get there. It takes time. I mean, a good example of that is Brandon Jennings scored 50 points in his, I think, his first month in the NBA, and he wasn't a bucket after that. You have never scored 50 points, and you're calling yourself a bucket, so it's kind of funny. But I don't know, guys. So all in all, you know, with everything that I've talked about in this podcast, you, you guys already know what's going to go on. I'm extremely high on this Lakers team. This is our fucking year. This is it. This is the year that we win the championship after 10 years. LeBron gets ring number four. AD gets ring number three. The Lakers champ. The Lakers get their 17th title to tie the Celtics for the most titles in NBA history. This is the year. This is it. The hashtag 17 for Bean has been showing up the last during the playoffs, and I just heard about it the other day. Why not? Why not, guys? 17 for Bean. We can do this. Having said all that, and having given the Heat their, their respect, you know they've, they've played great. I'm going to give my prediction. And I wasn't wrong last time. I said Lakers in five against the Nuggets. Okay, Lakers will beat the Miami Heat in five games. It's going to take five games. Five games. We will beat the Heat in five games. Did you hear that? Five games. Just... I will speak clearly into the mic so that way everyone who hates the Lakers can understand what I'm saying to you. It's not I'm not speaking in Mandarin. I'm not speaking in, in any other crazy language. Five games. We will be winning in five games. Take that to the bank. We got it. It's our year. I really believe it. And I already know I'm going to cry like a big baby when we win it. Um, it's it's going to be an emotional one with everything that this means. It's been 10 years since we won one. First one that we're winning without Kobe. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but I'm here for it. Let's fucking do it. I don't know about you guys, man, but I'm I'm stoked. Let's let's I'm can't wait for tomorrow. Can't wait to watch the whole game. I'm I'm going to I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to watch it. I'm just going to watch it, get all excited about it. I'm just I'm stoked. Well, that's that's all I got for this uh this this episode of Camcast guys. This was the preview for the finals, the 2019-2020 finals. Um, as always, please follow me on Instagram, cam.cast. I got links for all of the listening platforms in there in my link tree. I uh, have Anchor Podcast, which is my home base, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, they have Amazon Podcasts now, which I think is pretty cool. And eventually, I'm going to start doing YouTube videos, but that's that's going to be a little bit tougher for me. That's some stuff I got to learn. Um, if you have any requests for new videos you guys want to want to want to hear or not videos, excuse me. If you have any more requests for new podcasts you guys want to hear, anything you guys want to talk about, shoot the DMs, shoot me a text if you have my number. Um, all right, guys, let's do it. Lakers basketball. Thanks again. Peace and love. Uh-huh.